0: Fellow journeyers, I always look forward to us reconnecting and uh, to all of our Kindle campus, our Gables campus, to those of you who are joining us online across the nation, around the world, we're praying God's blessing for you today. And I want to remind you of this. Got any rivers you think are uncrossable? Got any mountains you can't tunnel through? God specializes in things thought impossible. And he can do whatever, what no man can do. He can do what no one else can do. And so may God bring his possibilities into your space today as we make this connection together. Amen? Amen. Amen. Well, when couples come to me before marriage, you know, I usually meet with every couple prior to marriage. We spend some time getting acquainted. And one of the things that I ask them that we always talk about is how do you keep The fire of romance burning. Do you know the answer to that question? I mean, how would you, in a relationship, how do you keep love alive? How would you answer that question? How do you keep the fire burning? Well, time out. How do you keep a physical fire burning? It takes two things it takes let it breathe, and it takes keep fueling it. Let it breathe. And keep fueling it. You keep a fire burning with air and with fuel. And I'm thinking the marriage fire can stay alive in the same way. And those of you, perhaps some know by experience what I'm talking about. What I mean is every week, actually it's better if it's every day in some way, you give your relationship room to breathe. And then you keep putting more fuel on the fire. And that's what I tell couples. But then I tell them this. But maybe not in the way you may first think. I'm talking about in the way that your partner thinks. You will keep your love fire warm and burning bright as you go to your partner's woodpile and bring their wood to your shared fire. See what I mean? Not to your woodpile. But to theirs, what does that mean? Well, that means you got to pay attention. you got to take note of your partner. you got to find out where do they keep their fuel. And then you got to go there and bring their fuel to your fire. Now, and I tell couples this. You've already been doing this. While you've been in relationship, while you've been engaged, you've already been paying attention in that way. Uh, and you're already knowing some of these answers, like this one. Like, what is it that when you do it, it rings their bell? It lights them up it gets their motor running it makes them happy brother you've been paying attention what is it that when you do it brings light to your soulmate's face and lift to her heart sister same the other way what is it that when you do it you show up in that way it draws him closer in right you got to know where they keep their wood their fuel And then you got to go there regularly. You go to their kindling and bring it to your fire. Does that make sense? And in order to do that, you know, you don't just go to your pile. That's our default setting. We go to our own stuff and we bring our own stuff into, but you need to know where they keep theirs. And then you deliberately go every day to their pile. Now, you're going to have to help them know where you keep yours. And then you're going to have to help them know how to bring it to the fire, right? Which means you're going to have to communicate. See where all of this is going? That's what we're talking about. Intentional, emotional communication. So, and then I invite couples to do this. Write it down. This is how slow, dull, and sometimes dense I am. I make an actual list. Get out your pen. And write it down, one, two, three. When I do this, she feels positive emotional connection with me. And then write it down. Keep the list. And then daily, weekly, go to that list and bring that wood, that fuel to our fire. Does that make sense? Now, then I say, you know what you're going to find? You're going to find that there may be some similar items on both of your lists. But... (laughs) You may be surprised to find that they're not there. Or if they're there, they're at a lower priority level on their list than on your list. And then this is where love moves you out of yourself and into your soulmate's space, your partner's soul space. And that's what love does. You keep a fire burning by letting it breathe and by giving it fuel. And you keep a romance alive by going to your partner's fuel pile, fuel source, and then bringing that to warm your soul and their fuel on your fire. But you've got to get out of yourself in order to go there, which is what the marriage vow is all about. For the rest of my life, every day of my life, I'm going to get out of myself and into your life. And that's the way you keep it alive. Now, it's a two-way street which means that either one of you can initiate the flame. Either one of you can fan the flame. And you don't say, hey, remember where I keep my fuel? It's over there. You haven't been there for a while. You know, those conversations do come up, but you can fan the flame directly by going to what you already know about your partner. Now, for a more sophisticated version and specific ideas... On how to do this I would suggest you pick up a copy of five love languages by Chapman this book should show up in every marriage library for you at your personal home and then the subtitle originally was this uh, five different ways of expressing and receiving love with heartfelt commitment to your mate and here they are words of affirmation quality time that's undivided attention receiving gifts, acts of service, and then physical touch. Now, every week we've been having a take-home message, a take-home lesson that applies to our relationship with God, to one another, and to church. Here's one for one another. For those of you that want to fan the flame of love in your family life, then this is it. Human beings made in God's image speak love language. We're meant for love and to learn how to speak love. And so here's the, the take-home assignment. Find your own language. And then learn the languages that are spoken in your family members and then step out of yourself regularly and speak their language. Why? So they can know that you know them. So that they can know that you feel them, you get them, you understand them, that you, you love them. Now, one of Lisa's top languages, my wife Lisa, we've been married low these many years, um, her love language still hasn't changed. You know what one of her top love languages is? Task acts of service. You know what one of my top languages is? Words of affirmation. So guess what that means? We don't speak the same language. Regularly, we don't speak the same language. Which means that if I'm loading her up with words, 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 that's fuel from my (laughs) woodpile, I feel like I'm just doing it. And she says, Where are you? I'm missing her. And to the contrary, if she just tasks and tasks away for the live long day, thinking that she's showing me how much she loves me by what she's doing, but she's not adding words, guess what? No connection. Connection doesn't happen. You know what has to happen? If I want her to feel my love, then I have to find something to do. Not that she told me to do, but I'm already supposed to know. I'm supposed to be paying attention and find a task, can be most any task that needs doing, and then just go do it. And she feels love because of that. Mow the grass, you know, load the dishwasher, wash the car. I mean, just pick a task, show up, do the task, and she's feeling it. And, of course, I've got words on my mind while that's, happening, but if all, I do, if all I do is load her up with words but I don't show up with task, then we miss the soul connection. That's what I'm talking about. That's why love language matters. What I speak, what she speaks. What's God's love language? You know, we speak the language of love because we're made in the image of a God of, who loves. The greatest commandment is love. And love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, with all your mind to speak his language. Now, God is multilingual. He speaks every love language, and Hosea is a window into understanding some of God's love language. He's looking for a fresh soul connection with his people. Now, we've learned that the story of Hosea is about Hosea's marriage and a wife that really isn't staying connected to him. In fact, she's connecting with other people out there, but something's not happening in this. And yet God is trying to say, do you see yourself in this story? Because this is what's happening with me. We're we're losing connection. I want to restore connection. And so I want to read Hosea chapter 14 as we come to the close of this entire story. Just listen to the first three verses and see if you can identify what love language is God desiring to connect through. Return. Oh, Israel, return to the Lord your God. Your sins have been your downfall. Take words and... With you and return to the Lord your God. Say to him, Forgive all our sins, receive us graciously, that we may offer the fruit of our lips. Assyria cannot save us. We will not mount war horses. We will never again say our gods to what our own hands have made. For you, in you, the fatherless find compassion. Now, did you see some love languages in there? I mean, there may be many, but there are two that just jumped out at me. The first one is words, you know, bring words, come with, and come, come, bring words. And so the second one would be undivided attention. Gifts doesn't show up on God's list. In fact, earlier in the story, he said, I don't want your gifts if your hearts aren't coming. I would rather have mercy than sacrifice. So don't bring me a bunch of religious gifts and offerings when your heart is missing from that. What God is looking for is the Connection from the heart. That's the and the big one that jumps out. He's saying, "Here's where it could happen." Words. Words that affirm truth. Words that turn to me, that I am the true God, and you're speaking that truth from your own mouth. That that you're speaking love. You're speaking. You're turning full-hearted and full-bodied. You've been going one way, but I want you to come back to me. I want you to spend time with me. Affirming. God is their protector, their provider, their caregiver, and the lover of their souls. Do you see that? This is a love story. God loves us. God loves you, and he wants you to come with the the love language of words. Now, Charles Wesley was a phenomenal songwriter of a different age. 7,000 worship songs. He wrote in his ministry, 7,000, are you kidding me? That's a song a day for how many years? Oh, my goodness, 7,000 love songs together. But the most popular of all of his songs he wrote right after he came to faith in Christ, when the freshness of that life was upon him, and the title of it is Jesus, Lover of My Soul. Now, at the time, the idea of Jesus as lover made some people really squeamish. Maybe that feels kind of weird to you just hearing that today, you know. Um, So what I want to say, men especially, let's don't back off from this. God is trying to show a powerful side uh, from a different angle in his heart for us. But historian Bruce Shelley at the time, he said England at that time was the most unlikely spot, unlikely place for a nationwide revival of vital faith. It was dry, it was stale, it was bland. The their churches were dead. And yet, and at that time the enlightenment had caused the more sophisticated among them to shove their faith away from the center and into the margins of life. But God gets hold of the Wesley brothers, John and Charles, and he kind of lights them up, fires them up, And then sends them out like the dynamic duo of grace into the dead Church of England. And that what is sparked in that experience covers the continent of England and then crosses the ocean and comes to the United States and Sparks what is known as the Great Awakening, the first Great Awakening across America. Now, it was the 1700s, anybody know something that happened in the 1700s in America? Somewhere happened around 1770-ish, something happened back there. And early in 1730 to 1750 to 1770, there was this fan, this flame was firing up across this land. and. The Declaration of Independence was signed on the other side of this first great awakening. People were awakened with their hearts on fire with the love of God, and forgiveness from their sins was flowing and overflowing in Jesus, lover of my soul, Charles Wesley. And people were turning to God, full-hearted, full-bodied. They were bringing words of confession and words of songs like Jesus, lover of my soul. Of my soul. The third verse of that song says this Thou, O Christ, are all I want. More than all in thee I find. It's words about turning to God, come home to God. And words about coming with all of you that would ignite a fresh spiritual awakening. Hosea says, Israel. You got to do this. You got to turn come home to God and bring words with you. Bring the fruit of your lips and say to God that you're not going to call stuff that you've made with your own hands your great God. You're not going to live for that stuff. That only Yahweh, your covenant lover God, who came to you in Egypt and brought you out of slavery for himself to himself because he wanted fellowship with you in his purpose for himself. Turn to God, not to military might, not to political power, not to Assyria. That's what that word represents in that. Not to stuff made by human hands. But he says, just bring your life back to my hands. Which is, the, I guess, the, the real question at heart here is, have you done that? How long has it been since you as a Christ follower you just wrapped up everything you know about you and you put it in a bag and you said God here's everything I know about me and I'm giving it to everything I know about you. I just really if I'm anywhere else I want to be in your hands. And that's what Jose is trying to say. That the spiritual connection starts there. When God's people bring words like that. Where we say, Lord, my life, my relationships, my future, my my issues, my concerns. I just want I I want them to be in Your nail scarred hands. And when we bring words like that and come to Him like that, then what does God do? He responds with His own words. That's what happens next in the story. And His words, God's words, are like this: Hey, you get me. You heard me. You understand me. We're connecting now. You, I'm, I'm here for you. I'm all in for you. I love you. I will save you. Oh, man, I'm going to bless you and protect you and provide for you over and over. I mean, it just goes on. Here's where it picks up. Verse 4, God, God is speaking here. He says, I will heal their waywardness. You know, you don't have to clean yourself up and get your act together before you come back to God. God's going to do that. God's going to bring the healing. I will love them freely. I'm not going to reject you or send you away. I'm not going to scold you or hurt you. No, I'm going to love you. My anger has turned away. I will be like the dew to my people Israel. What does that mean? Like every blade of grass is covered with dew. That means God is saying, I've got you covered with life-giving refreshment every morning. This is what God is saying. I'm going to be like the dew and you're going to blossom like the lily and like a cedar of Lebanon. This is strong language. He will send down his roots and his young shoots will grow. Man, that's a promise for our kids and their kids, those young shoots, you know, that are growing up. He says, like I'm praying, I'm asking God for this blessing in my family life, in my life. May your life flow in my life through my entire family tree. That's what's happening here. And then he says, and his splendor is going to be like the olive tree going to be beauty about it. His fragrance like the cedar of Lebanon. And then this is God. He's still speaking. Men will dwell again in his shade. He will flourish like the grain. He will blossom like the vine. His fame will be like the wine of Lebanon. Oh, Ephraim, what more to do with idols? I will answer him. I will care for him. I will Am like a green pine tree, your fruitfulness, your fruitfulness will come from me. Oh, my goodness. It's like God, he just gets started and he just gets carried away. And he gets started and he just can't stop. So great is his love for his people. And when he sees one heart turn and come that's been far away and brings words, God goes, oh, man. Have I been waiting for you? Have I got something for you? Listen, the greatest blessing of God is being connected to the God of blessing. Would you say that with me? The greatest blessing of God is being connected to the God of blessing. That's where all of this is going. His life in our lives, your life. Now, years ago, I heard a song based on this very text. Hosea chapter 14 is written by a Messianic Jew, Joel Chernoff of the group Lamb. The song is, Comfort Ye My People. The chorus never fails to move me. I'm hesitating. Should I sing it? I guess. Okay, I'll try. Feel my awkwardness. My palms are sweaty. But the song, I just hear God saying this. I will heal your wrong ways. I will love you so freely. And you will dwell beneath my shadow. I will be as the dew to my people. I got you covered. And you will blossom like the lily. This is God's promise when when I come with words when you come when we come with words when we come to God wherever you've been going wherever you've been wandering out doesn't matter how far down you are or how far gone you think you are when you turn and come to God and you bring words then God is going to say <laughs> have I got something for you and it's not rejection It's restoration. God will do for me what I cannot do for myself. He's not waiting for you to clean your act up, to get your life together, to start turning over a new leaf and make promises you can't keep. He just says, come to me with your heart and bring your words. You know how sometimes I call up my mother and I say, well, I don't really have anything to say. And you know what she says? It's okay. I just love hearing your voice. This is what God, God is saying. Come. Bring your words, not Bill's words, yours. God wants to hear your voice. How long has it been since you just brought your words from your heart to God? And when you do, what does God say? Oh, I'm going to heal. I know where that hurt is. I'm going to heal your wrong ways. You don't have to make promises you can't keep. Just let's lean into my promise, and I will be there for you. I will forgive, I will heal. And we find the same kind of promise all through the Scripture, all through the historical books. You might remember it showing up like this in First Chronicles. If my people turn from their wicked ways, that means just come home to God, then I will forgive and heal. And then you see the same promise throughout the Psalms, through the Proverbs, in the Prophets right here. And then we see it in the New Testament. Now, let me just quote two verses for you, one from the wisdom writing of Solomon, Proverbs chapter 28, verse 13. Whoever conceals their sins doesn't prosper. As long as we live in denial, or we act like we got it all together, and we don't admit, we don't come with truth, we don't use our voice to say, man, I got a problem, then you're going to stay stuck in the problem. But when one confesses and renounces, that simply means I'm turning back to God and I'm bringing my words of truth. When you do that, you're going to find fresh love, mercy. First John chapter 1, if we confess our sins, the fisherman John says, that means you, say, you use your voice to talk about your needs, then God is faithful and just. He's good and he's fair. And he will forgive our sins and purify us. He'll go to places we can't get to. From all unrighteousness, God wants to heal. God's posture toward you right now. He wants to heal. He wants to forgive. He wants to restore. What does he want to restore? The connection, the spiritual connection of your closeness with him, your soul connection with God. And you don't have to earn your way into God's blessing. You don't have to, to show You've got what it takes. No, you just show up with your words of truth and you speak God's love language, and the connection is gonna happen. But you gotta know how God wants to fan that flame, and you gotta bring his fuel of truth to your fire. And then you think about this: it was with God, it was with words that God brought everything into existence. From this story, it says that God spoke, and then creation. Had to respond. Nothing hurt it and became something because of the power of God's word. The power is in his word. Life is in his word. He spoke and life came to be in Jesus Christ when he was on the earth and he's in that cemetery and his best friend is dead and he's been in a grave four days. They put him in a tomb four days ago and Jesus steps into the cemetery and says what? Words. He says words. He says, Lazarus, come forth. And he does, John 11:43. Through words, when we speak God's love language, there's life in it. In fact, Paul says this, Romans 10: The word is near you; it is in your mouth. It's just waiting for your voice. This word and it's in your heart that that is the the message concerning faith that we proclaim if you declare with your mouth your words Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead then you will be saved for it is with your heart that you believe and are justified and it is with your mouth that you profess your faith and are saved words matter but you putting your voice and your faith to show your love is where the connection happens. You know, I've told you before that I love fire. I love to play with fire. I love to light fires. I, I burn them in my house all the time. In fact, when I'm working on messages, when I'm, I light a candle right by my laptop computer while I'm working on a message. And I noticed while I was working on this message, I look at the candle that I've got burning and the flame that's right there. And the candle said that it, it was named homesick. And then I thought of this post I saw on Instagram. It said, what you often call loneliness is really homesickness for God. Loneliness is being homesick for God. How long has it been since you've been home to God? There's a way to come home. God is trying to help his people. Hear this, you turn, and you bring words, and you're speaking a love connection that can reignite your soul. And then what's going to happen when you do? Well, it says God is going to show up. God is going to show up with blessing, and your life will flourish like a cedar of Lebanon. Now, I don't have a photograph to show you of my grandson Cedar, but that's his name. I'm thinking about my grandson right now, Cedar. Cedar of Lebanon, there's repeated reference to the cedars of Lebanon in Hosea chapter 14. When our mission team visits Beirut, we always go to the ancient forest of the cedars of Lebanon, the famous cedars of Lebanon. And um, we go to do ministry to the refugees, but, but we go and visit this and we learn time and again, you know, the cedars of Lebanon are evergreen. They're always Green with fresh life. They grow only in high elevations, but their roots go down way deep. I mean, three to six times deeper than their width in depth. Imagine that. Uh, The trees give off natural oils, which is its own bug repellent, which I suppose is why we like cedar chests and cedar closets, because bugs can't mess with them. Um, It has a pleasing Fragrance, there are medicinal qualities to the cedar tree. And its cones, they grow up. They don't hang down. They grow up toward the sun. They defy gravity. The cones on a cedar tree of Lebanon grow skyward. This, this optimistic faith. And then when the tree matures, the crown of it flattens and broadens, and the Lebanese believers say, and bows before its maker giving testimony to the goodness of God. Those trees grow to be 120 feet tall, 30 feet in circumference. They are virtually unmovable. They can withstand decay. They can stay upright in weather. They they hold firm in weather. And they, they stay upright. There are no knots in cedar trees. And they live to be 2,000 to 2,300 years old. Now, the reason I'm telling you all of that is just to ask you this. If God wanted... To help your life flourish like that tree, would you be willing to receive it? Because that's exactly the promise God is making. And we hear it again in Psalm 92 the righteous will flourish like a palm tree. Hey, Miami got in. (laughs) But they will grow like a cedar of Lebanon planted in the house of the Lord, and they will flourish. In the courts of our God, they will bear fruit in old age. Some of us are glad for that verse. And they will stay fresh and green and proclaim that the Lord is upright. He is my rock and in him no wickedness. Now, why does that one matter? Because this is my life, perhaps yours too, sometimes the world tries to rub our face in shame and just tell us that we're not enough. You know what? You're not successful enough. You're not smart enough. You're not pretty enough. You're not rich enough. You're not connected enough. You're not educated enough. You're, ju- you're not cool enough. You know what? You just don't have what it takes. And, uh, and it's easy to believe that voice because sometimes it seems to be true. You know, my track record says that oh, I tend to wander. <laughs> I tend to wander away from God. You know, we tend to wander. We wander away from God. We wander from our families. We get off track like Hosea's wife did. We, we lose our way. We get tangled up. And then pride tells us, you know, you got yourself into this mess. You got to get yourself out. Only thing is, God knows that we can't do it by ourselves. And then he just says, but if you'll come to me and bring words of truth then I will bring healing and forgiveness and life and strength and flourishing. So here's the question of the series. Does my family have a future? And the answer is always. In God's grace, you will be strong like a cedar, reaching high, rooting deep, standing strong. But apart from him, not so much. Now each week we've made applications One in our relationship with God, one with one another at home in marriage, and then another one with the church. Here's the take homes for me today. I want to learn to speak the love languages of all the people I love. How about you? That means I got to keep growing because they're not my native tongue. I got to learn some new languages. If I want to make the connection with the people that I love the most, that I live with the most, so that means that I've got to keep growing. And not expect them to always figure out how to speak my language. But i got to step into theirs. That I'm going to speak it in meaningful ways then. From my side of the street, I want God to know that I love him. And I want to speak the language that God wants to hear. I'm going to speak to my wife, my kids, my brilliant grandsons, my marvelous co-workers in the kingdom of God in Christ Journey Church. But I'm going to have to realize that the power of life and death is in my tongue. And I need to use it in a way that speaks love and brings it to life. Here's a second take home. I want to let God's dream define me above all other dreams. So what does that mean? i got to stay focused. Everybody's selling some plan. But I want to let God's plan become my family plan. I want want to let who God says that I am define my self-image. I want God's image to define my image. Not what the world says, not what social media says, not what anybody else says. I am who God says I am, who God made me and wants me to be. But my vision gets foggy sometimes and it gets fuzzy sometimes. So that means I got to stay focused and let God's dream define me above all other dreams. And then third, I want to live the life of God's flourishing in fellowship with his people that means I got to stay connected you know cedar trees grow best together in a forest those ancient cedars have managed to weather thousands upon thousands of years of storms because they've stayed connected together that's the way we grow too, believer Christ follower here's what Paul said Just as you received Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live your lives in him, rooted, built up, strengthened in the faith as you were taught, and overflowing with thankfulness, a fruitful life in fellowship with others. So stay connected to the church. Now, not just a building and a facility, but the community. That's what we're talking about. And I need to say something to our online connections today. You know, I know the couch is so comfy. And you don't have to get up early, and you don't have to get the kids ready, and you don't have to get yourself ready, and you can just kind of hang out there and receive. But you know what? We need to receive, too. We we need to hear your love language. We need to feel your love language. We need to know your presence with us. We're learning it together. We're feeling the warmth and the fire ignite as we gather at Kindle and Gables. But God, oh, don't come on, just... Come home to God and let him ignite the fire and then fan the flame in your church so that we can celebrate together. In fact, Jesus said that how we love one another when we're together is how the world will know that we're his disciples. So keep growing, stay focused, or um, get focused and stay connected. Learn to speak the love languages. Let God's dream define your dream for life and then live in the flourishing life of God with others. What's the next step that God would want you to take today? And what's the one that you would just like to say, God, I'm showing up, turning my heart and in my own voice, I want you to hear this. Would you pray right now? And whatever that is, would you just whisper that to the Lord? Lord, I'm, I'm coming home. It's been a while. What was it that's in your heart? Lord, here's, here's my life. I'm just going to wrap up everything I know about me, and I'm, I'm giving it to everything I know about you. My marriage, placing it in your hands, my, my family, my kids, my parents, my brothers, my sisters, the ones I do life with most closely. Who is it? What is it that you're saying? Come home to God and bring words. Charles Wesley wrote, plenteous grace in you is found. Grace to cover all my sin. Let the healing streams abound. Make and keep me pure within. Help us, Lord, not to give in to the voice of shame. Strengthen us to live in your sufficient grace. Help us to not compare ourselves with everyone else, but to find ourselves in you and your love. And thank you that in you we have all it takes, everything it takes to live and keep the fire of love burning with all the people we love. In your name.